Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Tonight, we're going to talk about the power of remaining. The power of, someone say, the power of remaining. The power of remaining. And we're going to talk about, we're going to continue where Pastor Matt left off in 1 John chapter 2. He finished off at verse 17. So we're going to be, we're going to be really focusing on 18 to 25, parking on verse 25. And we're going to talk about tonight, we're in that verse, how John is communicating that when we remain faithful to God and remain in fellowship, in close intimate, intimacy with Jesus, the natural progression for that is God's blessing on your life. So let's, let's take a step back for just a second. So 1 John, 1 John, let's talk about that and let's give a little bit of context before we jump into this. 1 John is, uh, here's a surprise for you. So uh, it was written by John, okay? So there's that. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. And he was somebody that understood the value of remaining faithful. He was with Jesus all the way to the cross. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, um, there's that passage in the Bible where Jesus has the wherewithal and the presence of mind to say, he's dying on the cross. He's taking on the sin of the world, but he's still thinking about his mom. And he says, uh, John, can you take care of my mom? It's my earthly mom. Would you take care of her? He's like, yeah, I got her. So tradition tells us that when John was banished from Israel, that he actually went to Ephesus. It's modern-day Turkey, okay? And he took care of her. He wrote these books of the Bible, and, and this is where 1 John was written, and he took care of Mary for the duration of her life is what tradition tells us. And so at the time when he was writing 1 John, in Ephesus, it was, it was a massive city. It was probably the size of Lubbock without all the modern amenities. About 250,000 people. And Ephesus was the chief commercial city of that province in the Roman Empire and the center of the mother goddess worship of Western Asia. So they didn't like hearing about Jesus. All right, we read about that in Paul with his, his uh, the way he interacted with people and the Diana and all that stuff in the book of Acts. But it was the center of, of mother goddess worship in Western Asia. And in the New Testament era, when this was being written, it was the fourth greatest city in the known world in the Roman Empire. You had Rome, Alexandria in Egypt, Antioch in Syria, and Ephesus, which was the gateway to Asia. Okay, so there's that. Now, when, when John is writing this book, he's writing it to believers, and he's encouraging them to stay in intimacy with God and to stay in fe tight fellowship with God. And he's doing that because there were some false doctrines attacking the church that still attack to this day. And the false doctrines, you'll, you'll, we'll read this in the passage, it was attacking believers' faith, saying Jesus wasn't the Messiah, not the Christ, that God is not Jesus' Father, and that Jesus was not the Son of God. The devil was trying to attack believers' faith to break their connection with God and to rob them of God's blessings here and eternal life, the same thing he's trying to do today. He just does it a little differently in, in modern America, right? All right, so the message that God gave to John that God gave uh, through John, and the message for us today is that when we stay faithful where God has planted us, God's blessing re resides in our home. Someone say, the power of remaining. All right, Psalms 92, 12 through 13, and you can mark this down or take a picture. Um, I like this because it, this is another way it describes it. It says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted, planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. 
We planted some beautiful trees in our house, it, it, behind our house last year. It was really cool. It took us a while. And we got them planted. They were great. We got them watered, little sprinkler spigots on them. It's putting water, uh, you know, every day at the right times and all this. And they're growing. Man, it's amazing. But had I got those same trees, Sister Jeannie, if I'd have picked those up and planted them in a different yard in our subdivision every day for the last year and a half, or last year, those things would have died. Because a tree is meant, it was created to be planted and for the roots to go down and for it to grow and flourish. You and I were meant to be planted in the house of God, in a relationship with God, for us to flourish too. As a preacher's kid, I saw, you know, so many preacher's kids are screwed up, right? Come on, man, let's be real for a second. Y'all know what it is. They're the devils. They were the worst ones in school. They're like, yeah, we're cool, but then there's that preacher's kid. He's like, everybody's like, yeah, let's fight. He's like, let's kill him. Let's kill him. He's a preacher's kid who's nuts, right? And a lot of preacher's kids are full of rebellion and leave God and become some of the worst. Why? Because they don't, they're not planted, and they don't see, they don't, and probably don't see the planting in their families. But for us, my, my younger sister, my older brother, Matt, that you see every Wednesday night. He got the good looks and I got the hair. It's, God balances it out, right? God's like, all right, man, I got to give him something. Prayed to be six foot two by my junior year of high school. God gave me thicker eyebrows, man. I'm like, really? All right, I'll be grateful. I'll be grateful. But growing up, we saw my dad and my mom. They worked hard in the ministry. They spent a lot of time with people. But I also, they also spent time with us, and they encouraged us to be close to Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I'd wake up in the morning. Just every morning, I'd wake up, my mom would have her robe in the, in the living room, and she'd be praying in the Spirit and believing God for us. How many times on Saturdays I'd walk by the kitchen and they'd have a lamp. The only thing they'd have on was a lamp and they'd be on their knees travailing and praying for the people of God. We're still experiencing those prayers in this church to this day. It inspired me because I saw that they were planted. I saw them through the great times and the fun times in ministry, but even through the hard times, the moments where they experienced rejection, I saw that they were still planted when the building collapsed and my dad was right in this section and tons of pressure fell on him and they, they said he had a punctured lung. 1993, May of 93. It's in the news, those old archive newspapers. He could have quit then. Some people were like, well, I think I'm done. But you know what? He believed God. God healed him from that punctured lung by the next day. Sunday he was preaching in church because he was planted. He didn't give up when it was hard. And God wants us to do the same thing. Now, 1 John 2.18, come on, stand up with me. Come on, uh, we're going to do this together. 1 John 2.18, you're like, I thought you were going to leave me alone. It's Wednesday. I've been at work all day. I will let you sit down right after this, I promise. Now, here's where we're going with this, all right? 1 John 2.18 through 25, we're going to read this, then we're going to park in verse 25. He says this. We'll read it together, but I'll read a little, a little fast there. He said, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. Look at somebody and say, you're not like that. You like that? Okay, come on. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you because you, 
I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now read this one out loud. This is where we're going. 24 and 25. You ready? All right, come on. Let's, this is great. I love this passage. This is exciting. Ready? One, two, three. Let's read it together. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. Many times in Christianity, we're, re- we're relegating everything toward eternity. And he says, I want you to enjoy eternal life now in the present. I know we got some educators in the house. He says right here, he says, and in this fellowship, we enjoy. Now, I'm an accounting major, but I know enough about English that I know that's present tense. It's right now and in eternity. Man, come on, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because you're changing us. Lord, just renew our minds to be faithful, to be planted, and to experience your best for our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Point number one, remain faithful. That first part of 1 John 2, 24 says this. He says, so you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. And I believe when he says remain faithful, that this refers to those practical things you and I can do to stay plugged into God. Especially, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight, plugging into your local church. And anybody online, if you go to another church, staying plugged into your church. But guess what? You say, man, but it's not perfect. There's imperfect people. Uh, The youth pastor's imperfect. I know. My wife lives with him. But guess what? If it was a perfect church, they wouldn't let me in. And they they might not let you in either. Maybe better chance for you, but not me. So the question is, are you remaining faithful to the local church, to your job and your personal walk with God? Could it be that when John wrote, wrote this about you must remain faithful, could it be that he was thinking about people that he saw were, who were faithful and unfaithful in his own experience? Could it be? Could it be that he was thinking back to the three years, that time he had with that intimate time with Jesus? And you see it in The, in the Chosen. If you've never seen The Chosen, you should check that out. I'm halfway through third season, so I know how it goes, but don't tell me how this one goes in season three. But could it be that he, maybe he was thinking of Judas? Maybe he was thinking of Peter. These were disciples. They saw miracles when they were sent out two by two. They saw the move of God. They saw God in the flesh doing miracles, raising the dead, and healing people. They saw it firsthand. But when they came to the end of three years, they both made, both Judas and Peter made mistakes. They both did. One betrayed Jesus for some silver, and, he got, and Jesus got arrested. You remember that? And then Peter, who was supposed to be Jesus' boy, right? His guy, I'll go, to, I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. I'll fight for you. And then they're like, a little girl comes and says, hey, were you with Jesus? No, I don't know him. So they both screwed up. But one killed himself, made a permanent decision in a temporary, in a, in a very temporary situation and, and gave up. He was unfaithful. Peter screwed up. But he was one of those guys that knew how to screw up big, but knew how to repent big too. And he came back and became a pillar in the church. We read his books in the New Testament. Could it be that that maybe John, when he was talking about remaining faithful, that he thought of Paul, that other apostle, 
Remember, he had that, that journey toward Damascus, and he was ready to go and kill some Christians. Remember that? And Paul had this radical encounter with Jesus where he went blind, and he came into Damascus, and Ananias prayed for him, and he received his sight. And from that moment on, he started preaching Jesus after that encounter with God. And he was faithful in the journey through imprisonment, through darkness, all the way to the time when he was imprisoned in Rome, where tradition tells us he was beheaded by Nero. All the way to the end, he was faithful. Could it be that John was thinking about him? Or maybe John, who'd followed Jesus for three years, maybe he's writing this to, be, to remain faithful because, because he's thinking about Jesus. Two months ago, I was in that garden where James and John and Peter were with Jesus. Some of y'all been there. Sister Jeannie, my wife, some others have been there. I've seen the, they believe there's trees that are still there. They're massive. They believe they were there when Jesus was there. It's amazing. And they believe they have the rock there. I don't know how they know that, but they, the rock where Jesus travailed. But could it be that John saw three years of Jesus' ministry, saw his rejection, saw him getting beat and whipped in those posts. I've been to that place where there's a church now where he was whipped and beaten to a pulp. And could it be that, that John saw him all the way to Golgotha at the cross and saw him give his life and come back to life? Could it be that he saw that faithfulness of Jesus' life and suffering and death and said, remain faithful because Jesus did it and by his power you can too. Remain faithful. That's why I like that verse about Jesus. I believe, it, I, I think it was Paul who wrote it. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says this, talking about how faithful and focused Jesus was. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us check this out i love oh man i love this we do this by keeping our eyes on jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross disregarding its shame now he's seated in the place of honor beside god's throne Man, he remained faithful. He was God in the flesh, but he showed us that with God's power, we can be faithful too. So the question is, are we plugged in? Are you remaining faithful to the closest relationships that God's put in your life? Your local church, are you remaining faithful? Second point is this, write this down. Remain in fellowship with God. I believe this refers to the intimacy that we can have with God. You and I can be plugged in and faithful on the outside where everybody can see. But are you and I close to God and intimate with God in our hearts? So my question for you on a Wednesday night, and I know I'm speaking to people that are hungry for God because you showed up here after work. But where are we at in our hearts? Where is your heart tonight? Are you staying close to God? Have you gotten weary in well-doing? Do you spend time with him? Are you listening for his voice and the gentle prods or nudges in your heart? Before you go into that crazy, busy work day, do you take a little extra time to get away and read his word and spend time with him to hear what he has in store for your day, even if it's just a moment of encouragement? 1 Peter 2.24 says this. Remember, he said the first part, we read it already. He said, so you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. And look at this. If you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and the Father, intimacy with God. I like what Paul says in, in Philippians 3.10. He was so passionate for Jesus and passionate about an intimate, close walk with God. 
He said this, in the, and I'll focus on the beginning of that verse. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Remain in fellowship. How bad do I want to know God? What price am I willing to pay to know him more, to remain in deep fellowship with him? What am I willing to give up to go deeper with Jesus? Because anything I give up has no comparison with what God has for me and what he has for you too. Sometimes we're like, oh God, I can't give this up. It's like we're holding a, we're holding a Taco Bell taco, and it's that taco, it's, but it's the abuela's taco that God wants to bless us with, all right? Some of us, we're holding on to our corn dog, and God has a feast of blessing. He wants to bless me. Like, no, God, I can't give this up. It's all sups. No, I know. And God's like, no, I got a feast. I got a Saxony steak for you. Remain in fellowship. What are you willing to do? Am I willing to get rid of things that are holding me back from a close relationship with God? The third thing is, and look what, look what John's telling people. He says, he says remain faithful. The power of staying, the power of remaining, the power of staying. He said, remain faithful. Stay plugged in. Don't give up when it's hard. Make it better in the house of God. I like that Newsboys song says. He says, wherever we go, that's where the party's at. Man, come on. I like to think we're all part of that. Man, the, it ain't going to get good till we show up on Sunday morning. Come on now. It ain't going to get good at work until we show up. We're bringing light. The Bible says we're salt and light. I like what John Osteen said years ago. He said, but people aren't, they're not thirsty for God. He's like, yeah, but salt makes people thirsty. Come on now, we're salt. I love that Jesus compares us to salt, right? He was talking to Latinos because Me Mexicans be putting salt on everything, right? And all of us, white, black, or brown, I'm half white, half Hispanic. We all got it. We're all engrafted. It, no, salt goes on. Latinos are like, we're saleros. Yeah, it, the whole culture. Salt on steak, salt on watermelon, salt on everything. And that's how we're supposed to be as the body of Christ, right? We're supposed to make everything better because, man, we bring the light of Jesus with us. And so, guys, the natural progression of standing and remaining faithful to God and being plugged in, our kids see us, our family see us, but we get the blessing in that. When we remain faithful and we stay in intimate relationship with God, the natural prog progression is God's blessing. So look what he says here. I, love, I didn't write this. This is good. I wish I'd have written this, but I didn't. Look, man, I couldn't have done this better. New Living Translation. We're going to, 1 John 2, 24 through 25. And he said, so you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. Remain faithful. If you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. You'll remain in intimacy with God. And he says, and in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. God's natural progression. Yeah, you say, but there's persecution. Yeah, but then there's God's blessing because God wants to bless you and he wants to bless others around you. And God's blessing in the word of God it's described as the Abrahamic covenant. It's God's blessing, God's abundance. He wants you to have abundance in every area of your life. Why? Because he loves you and he wants you blessed. And he wants others blessed too. He wants them to know his love. So when you remain faithful to God and remain in fellowship and intimacy with God, he pours out his covenant blessings on you and you can enjoy eternal life now and in eternity. So what does it look like for you to enjoy God's blessings, to enjoy eternal life right now? What does that look like for you? Because some of you are already experiencing this in some areas of your life. Prosperity in your finances, favor at your job, but maybe you have that already. 
What about peace of mind at night? Free from, freedom from anxiety. A, night, a full night's rest, joy in the daylight. When you wake up in the morning and you don't, you don't dread going to work, but you're ready to go and be the light God's called you. You can't wait to get in the door. People are excited to show up early. People that are not, man, it's 8 o'clock, they're supposed to be there. Man, they're showing up at 7.59, barely. Health in your body, joy in your family relationships, freedom from de depression. God wants his kids to enjoy eternal life now and in eternity. Am I remaining faithful? Am I remaining in fellowship and intimacy with God? Am I enjoying eternal life, God's blessings right now in my everyday life? One of the greatest preachers who ever lived, one of the greatest men of God in the history, maybe in the history of the world, but for sure in the history, in our history of the last hundred years, was a man of God from North Carolina, Sister Jeannie, named Billy Graham. He was godly, loved his wife. He understood, the the, 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 uh, understood what the power to remain was all about. And they asked him at the end of his life, they said, if you could do anything different, what would it be? He said, I would have done less press conferences, less public appearances, and I'd have spent more time in prayer and the word because he understood what remaining faithful and remaining in intimacy with God was, was really, what it was really about. Because there's nothing that compares with that intimate relationship with him and walking with him every day. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence, almighty God, because you love us. And Father, tonight you have some for every man and woman and child in this place. God, help us to connect to you. Help us to experience staying power, the power to remain, to stay close to you and to experience all that you have for us. We want you so desperately, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, on a Wednesday night after you've already had three days of work and everything else, with your head's bowed and your eyes closed, if there's someone in here and you say, you know what, I need to get close to him. I want close. I want to experience that intimacy with him deeper. I want to know him more. I need him more in my life. If that's you, raise your hand with me. My hand's the first one up because I want him more. If that's you, would you stand right where I'm at, right where you're at? And even if you didn't raise your hand, you're like, no, I, I want that too. I want. I want to go deeper. I got both hands up. I need this tonight. God, we need you. Come on, let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, I want you with all that I am. I want to be closer. I want to remain faithful, plugged in, staying. But I want to be close to you. And I want to experience everything you have for me. Let's all pray this. Say, Jesus, wash me clean. Purify me tonight. Help me to know you. Give me more of a hunger, more of a thirst for your presence. I want you, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.